HVAC 360, episode number 63. Lessons learned. Geothermal heat exchange. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of HVAC 360. I am your host, Matt Nelson. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for tuning in again. Glad you're here. Hey, uh, this week, I'm going to be going back into my reservoir of uh, different uh, field experience that I have. Uh, this one specifically focused on the geothermal heat exchange, uh, and we'll get a little bit more into that. But first, I want to... Uh, Thank our sponsor. This, our sponsor for the HVAC 360 is the Building Commissioning Association. You know, I mean, if you're involved in the building commissioning field at all, the one place you want to go to is the BCA because that's the place to network and learn. Speaking of that, the National Conference on Building Commissioning is going on in uh, coming up here real soon, May 6th through the 8th. Uh, so it's just a, a couple of weeks away. Denver, Colorado. And, uh, you know, get signed up for that now. Get your plane tickets, get everything organized, and attend that. That is your place to be. That is your place to connect and learn more about building commissioning. It's 100% about building commissioning. So you're not really getting, getting any higher learning density than at the National Conference of Building Commissioning. So aside from that, if you can't make that, we have the their spring webinar series is underway. Uh, we just passed the first one on variable refrigerant flow. Uh, here, but they have one coming up on May 15th that's uh, control loops tuning and night setback. Is it really that hard? That's their uh, uh, one that's coming up, and that's coming up May 15th, like I said. So for any uh, more information about the BCA, you get their free newsletter, uh, sign up for It's called The Checklist. Sign up for that online. But you want to, or even j- to join BCA, uh, go over to their website. It's uh, bcxa.org. That's bcxa.org. And again, a heartfelt thank you for uh, sponsoring HVAC 360 goes out to the Building Commissioning Association. So now into the topic of today, which is going to be the geothermal heat exchange systems. Now there's a bunch of different ones you can do, and this is not this is focused more on commercial than residential, because obviously that's my focus uh, in business. But the commercial aspect of this you could do a number of things you could it could be involved in a a big body of water where you're using that as a geothermal heat exchange uh you can do it as a uh, you know a vertical uh or as horizontal loop um this one uh is going to be specifically focusing on the vertical borehole you heard me right it's it's vertical borehole it's a, a borehole and that's that's really the the nomenclature when i started getting into uh first learning about these heat exchange systems and you know again i say geothermal but it's not like you know uh underwater geyser or a, a, a a, you know, a geyser with steam and things like that. We're not necessarily pulling heat from the ground. It's more or less using the ground as a heat sink. So that's why it's, it's a heat exchange, you know, sometimes uh, referred to as the ground loop heat exchange system. It's really kind of, you know, using, you're taking a place 
of uh, heat rejection, and that's it's using the ground and that constant temperature of the ground to be able to accomplish that. But again, getting back to the borehole, a lot of times people get confused. They'll talk about well fields. Now, in the U.S., it's uh, very uh, we get very particular about wells because if you're going to drill a well there's going to be certain regulations and the US EPA keeps close tabs on that so we we want to stay away from the word well so we call it a borehole i mean obviously i think that it's it's important to note that this is not a well we're not getting water from it uh we're not intending to leave it open we're going to you know drill it we're going to stick a tube in it, and we're going to fill it with bentonite and you know, use it as our heat exchange system. So call it a borehole on your drawings. Label it as a borehole. We've had situations where if the EPA got a hold of it and there's you know, 50, 100 wells on a project, they could actually say, you know what, you owe me money to drill each and every one of these wells. You know, even though you're going to fill it, it's it's still one of those things, one of those hassles that you don't want to have to deal with. So, if you're reviewing drawings, tag that on the drawing and make sure make make sure that you uh, correct that out in the field. So, getting back more into uh, there's there's really two things that I want to focus on and uh, and and share with you in regards to this heat exchange system, and that's really the the layout in the field. And the the connection to the building, I think those are the the really the two critical pieces um, that I want to bring my uh, lessons learned forward into this. Uh, the first one, obviously, you know, first and foremost, is the design. The design is critical. You know, I mean, you're going to do your load calc on your building. You're going to understand what the load is on that, but you need to know exactly what your well field can do. Now, there's there's great software out there, and I think the one more most popular is uh, referred to as Glee Pro, and that's um, it's what, actually G-L-H-E Pro software. It's actually... Uh, produced by the uh, Oklahoma State University. Now, I guess if, if there's somebody who knows anything about this, these uh, ground loop heat exchange systems, it's going to be Oklahoma State University. They've done a lot of research. They've done, you know, the software. They, they really know it. Um, but really what that software is, uh, you know, gives you the capability to understand. It gives you the under- able, ability to understand exactly, you know, what kind of spacing you're going to look at, what kind of, you know, what, what region, what kind of factors. And it, it'll be able to take you through all those uh, design uh, configurations. Um, it's also going to be able to, you know, uh, uh, be able to kind of predict exactly uh, where the ground is going to be at in, you know, 40, 50 years. Because what, what tends to happen is that, you know, when you first use, just like anything, any other piece of mechanical equipment, um, it, it has a great reaction uh, when you start using it as a heat sink uh, day one. But when you get to year 40 or 50, uh, it's going to be a little bit less resilient than that. That's that's at least from my understanding what 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 happens with the ground and depending on the spacing, uh, because of obviously you know everybody has their different site configurations, site uh, restraints that they they need to uh, configure in their plan. Those are some of the things that can come up. Now you may not be doing this yourself. You may need to uh, uh, get a third party involved or subconsultant to be able to do this but i think it's it's very critical to understand exactly you know what you're what you're getting into um 
if you haven't heard of Glee Pro before, I'm going to have a, uh, you know, go to the website, buildingx.co. And in the show notes for episode number 63, you're going to have, there's going to be a, a link to the Glee Pro site. Uh, so you can take a look at it there. All right, so once you have the design all set together, um, and I cannot, I'm not going to actually, um, I'll, I'll touch on a few points with the design just from a, a commissioning perspective, you know, just kind of broad brush what to look for. Um, obviously, one of the things, you know, is, is, is that they've done this analysis of the field itself and to take a look at that and make sure that, that, that you understand and that they've done this kind of long-range uh, survey and plan of their field. So, but you want to take a test bore. Now, this is really something that, you know, just like you're going to do some surveys for uh, your uh, foundation work for a building, you're going to have to do a test bore for the actual field itself. Now, a couple of things that are important for this. You want to be able to position the test bore in a location that you're going to be able to reuse. You don't want to necessarily put it out you know, way beyond where you're going to put the rest of the field. You want it kind of somewhere where you can kind of use it as, you know, as, as one of the spots. So you're not drilling for nothing. But that's what's, what's that's, it, that going to do for you? That's going to give you two pieces of information that are going to be critical. Um, first off, it's going to say whether or not you can actually do it with your site. Some ground just isn't very conducive to using you know you may want to use it all the all you know you may want to use this system the ground loop heat exchange system but your ground might say you know what nope you're not going to get the kind of results that you're going to need uh to do it effectively cost effectively so you may have to just bail after you do your test bore so what you're going to get out of the test bore is you're going to get a uh the amount of heat transfer in one of your boreholes. So that's going to be able to tell you, kind of multiply that out times the whole field. That's going to be able to give you your, you know, your, your heat exchange capacity for the loop. It's also going to give you an idea of exactly what you're drilling through. Uh, you're going to have some sort of a, a, uh, 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 a drilling log that you're going to be able to get through, get through that. That's going to be a critical piece of information that you want to put in your, your documents because whoever is going to be bidding on drilling this is going to be wanting to know exactly what they're going to drill through. Um, you, know, it, it, I, you know, there's a lot of different conditions that are great for drilling. Um, one of them I heard is something that's consistent. Uh, a lot of times you may get into an area where you're just drilling through a bunch of different random stuff, uh, and that's not good because uh, it's you, you like to be able to at least – Use a certain technology or or process at least when you're drilling, uh, and you want to be able to stick with that. You, you to change processes is really difficult, um, and different processes are favorable to different types of ground material. You know, I'm not going to go too much into that, but you know, I mean, it's it's different if you have kind of sloppy soil uh, versus very hard soil. So if you kind of have you know, swap back and forth between those two, it's not going to go out too well. So, but you'll know that with a test born, obviously, that's an important piece of information. So, once you have that piece of information and you say, you've got the green light, you're saying, all right, the ground loop heat exchange system is going to be the one that I want to be able to use for this. Uh, you want to be able to uh, uh, place the dots. You want to be able to place the dots around the site. And that's going to be something that's going to be critical uh, to be able to place the field. A lot of times you're going to end up putting it under a parking lot 
putting it under maybe uh, you know a good area might be if you have you know for a school location if you have a playground or if you have some sort of you know ball field uh, where you have, you know or soccer field someplace that that you could if it you know you end up disrupting it that would be the best if you had to do it under your parking lot and so be it but you're not you're not going to want to build anything permanent over this uh, over this bore field so that you want to be able to select your location. Uh, carefully. So what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to space those about 20 feet on center. Uh, you really don't want to have to, uh, uh, you know, that, that's a good rule of thumb and I, you get good intera- interaction from there. If it's any closer than 15 feet on center, you're going to start getting, uh, a f- you're, you're going to start affecting um, or interference. You're going to get interference uh, for performance between the boreholes. And what that means is that the borehole kind of takes about mm, seven and a half feet around where it's at, and that's like the the, the ground that it, it it rejects the heat to and accepts the heat from. So that's kind of the the, the kind of the, the spacing that you want to the bare minimum that you want to. Now the the depth of it is a, is another issue. You know, I typically you know you see. Um, Anywhere from 100 feet to 150 feet, uh, 200 feet. You know, I've even seen ones that are much deeper than that. But you know, there's you want to be able to kind of you know make sense of that and do do that in your your evaluation. But those are going to be the the two typical variables for your layout is going to be the spacing and the depth. And you want to make sure that that if you're checking this, that obviously your capacity of your test bore multiplied by the you know the field that gives you the same capacity as you need inside your building. You know, plus a little, uh, you know, obviously a little safety factor wouldn't hurt you there. Next, you want to be able to connect the dots. Um, this in a, a layout is, is going to be very critical. This is not rocket science. And, and if you have no idea or if you've never laid out one of these, talk to somebody who is uh, involved in laying out the piping. There's a, there's a couple different, you know, contractors typically that I see uh, when, you, when you're dealing with these uh, ground loop heat exchange systems. You're going to have the person who drills the holes because they're very good at drilling, but they don't necessarily install the pipe. But there's going to be the people who install the pipe those are the kind of people that you want to actually, you know, talk to, get a handle on it, understand exactly what kind of system makes sense. Because I've seen some some you know, engineers lay it out, and it, you know, it was just it it stuck out. You know, they really, you know, you, there's a, you know, you typically want to be able to uh, lay it out in different circuits. You want to be able to have like a reverse return, so all the different uh, uh, boreholes, vertical boreholes along that circuit have the same pressure drop, and it's all coming back to a main header. So you, you, it's easily, it's easily balanced, self-balancing kind of thing. So that's kind of what you want to see out on the site is 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 that sort of layout. Now, the one thing, uh, when you take these all back and you connect them to that header, typically you're going to have either one or two options. You're going to either have a vault or you're going to take it with inside the, uh, the building itself. 
since you're going to have a different you know construction schedule, um, this is going to be one of those uh, wild cards when you're actually building the building. Is you know how the building is going up, how the foundations are being poured, how is that you know how's the structure and your tie-ins with all these different you know pipes coming into this uh, the building because you're going to have you know a bunch of different set of pipes. You know it could be upwards you know twelve, fourteen different uh, pipes because you have a supply and return to each one of the circuits. If you have seven circuits with you know a bunch of different boreholes on them, you know these that's the number of pipes that you're going to have and these are going to be you know three to four inch pipes uh pvc pipes or uh not pvc necessarily but you're going to have uh, plastic piping um hdpe um kind of piping that you're going to have going throughout the system so if you're going to have a vault and i've seen that and that it makes a lot of sense uh in a lot of cases uh don't go with anything custom uh you can you know, talk to the vault manufacturers. Um, I've seen that done in a, in a couple of cases where they somebody called out a custom vault, and it was really, really expensive, and the lead time was a lot longer. But you can get a standard vault for these geothermal heat exchange systems. Go with that. That's my that's my recommendation. Um, you know, as far as uh, uh, you know, the, the other thing is that uh, when you're dealing with this different uh, you know construction schedule. You're going to be able to drill the pot, you know, you're going to be able to drill the boreholes and go around, lay the piping. And you, you're going to want, there's going to be certain locations, depending on your site, that you're going to want to protect this piping. If you, if you have, you know, uh, say it's a soccer field out uh, for a school, for example, and a lot of these I've, I've done were for, were for uh, you know, public schools. So you're going to end up having this field and you're going to have the, the, the return pipes uh, come around back to the building. You want to make sure that you protect that because what you're going to have is you're going to have a lot of construction traffic around that perimeter of the building, and you're going to have these these JLGs, these big you know monster uh, 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 kind of uh, uh, trucks, these cranes, kind of going around the the site. I've had cases where they've they've literally cracked the piping, and you, you got to dig it up, you got to repair it, you got to go from scratch, put some plates over it, have that kind of protection in the drawing, so you're not damaging the pipes after they've been laid. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of construction going around, um, you know, after you've, you know, done all the piping work for this ground loop heat exchange system. So you want to be able to protect those as best you can, identify the areas that are going to be high traffic, that are going to be carrying a lot of weight, so you're not getting crushing. Now, another thing that you want to be able to do is you want to not only protect it from site traffic, but you want to protect it from the burial material itself. You, you Typically, when you, when you have... Uh, this uh, plastic piping uh, that's going through and, and serving the, the heat exchange field, you want to be able to bed it in some sort of sand material. If you, if you just bed it in gravel uh, like you would uh, ordinary pipe, uh, there, is, there is a tendency for this pipe to, to move and react and shift um, even ever so slightly. If you have a, a, a gravel uh, that you're uh, bedding it on, uh, it's going to kind of go back and forth kind of in sawing motion. You could end up uh, springing a leak somewhere in this field that's going to be pretty, pretty tough to find. Now, speaking of finding it, uh, you know, obviously, you know, whoever, whoever drills, the, drills the holes and, and lays out the piping, you're going to be able to, you're going to want to be able to identify that. So a, a cr- another critical component uh, in laying out the system is being able to get it tagged properly. You want to be able to put tracer tape just like you'd identify any sort of utility line 
you want to be able to identify where the first borehole is and the last borehole is in a circuit. So you want to be able to be able to grid this out. So being able to identify those specifically, that kind of it, it gives you kind of a a matrix on you know where exactly everything is is laid. Uh, I've had a couple cases where uh, they they've in one of the circuits they've lost pressure. There was there was a lot of leaking. And they were able to identify exactly where in that circuit they had. Uh, they were able to identify, you know, the length of run. And, you know, once they got it done there, they don't know exactly where the leak is. If, you know, they know it's in, in one particular circuit, in one particular line. But they'll start digging and they'll kind of try to find as quickly as they can, you know. And it's a matter of luck then, which, you know, where is it leaking? A lot of times what you're going to find is that it's not going to leak uh, down in the vertical borehole itself. It's more or less going to, it's going to leak somewhere around, you know, either the top of the header uh, or the top, of the, uh, the, the top of the borehole where it comes out and bends around um, and connects into the, the uh, uh, branch circuitry or the branch circuit piping. Or it's going to be somewhere along that, that branch circuit piping. It's going to be, you know, somewhere around there. So not to say that you're never going to, you know, have a have a, a borehole clog or that you're going to have to, you know, cap that off, but typically, you know, in this in this piping layout, it's really, you know, once you get from that header and those valves on the header out into the field, there's there's nothing there but just plastic pipe going back and down. So there's really, you know, very no, very very little resistance, very little uh, you know, valves that you could check on or anything like that. So it's 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 something with the typically going to be with a pipe. So tracing it and being able to tag it properly, those are important things to get specified in the details and make sure they're installed. So now that that that's pretty much what I have for the field. For the connections on the building, there's a couple of different ways. You you have to be careful because you have you know this this building system and you have the ground loop heat exchange system the geothermal heat exchange system and it's kind of they're two entities really you're going to have you know you're going to have the mechanical contract you know it's kind, it's kind of like you know when you look at designs typically engineers say 5 feet outside the building it's not mine it's more of the, the you know the the civil engineers uh that's their domain and they'll have that split between at that five foot mark. Well, it's the same thing that kind of happens with contractors, and it's very important for engineers to know this because, unlike uh, you know the most of the civil work, I think the engineer, mechanical engineer, is going to be very interested in laying out and identifying the geothermal heat exchange, even though it's out in the out in the field. Well, the problem is is that inside the building, it's the mechanical contractor and their work. And outside in the in the in the field, it's going to be a you know a driller and some sort of uh, another uh, company that's going another contractor that's going to be doing all the piping work. So you got to be able to delineate exactly okay who who does it when you know is is are the the driller and the the field guy you know the the, the site work contractor are they under the mechanical contractor? You want to be make sure that there's this understanding of of where these divisions lay, where you know where one contractor stops and another one starts. So when you get into that building, you know exactly where you know you have to be able to delineate that on the uh, on the drawings. 
and get that all squared away for a couple of different reasons. But the one thing I wanted to point out, when you get it into the building, you know, obviously it's going to be one system. Uh, you want to be able to do a couple of different things. You want to be able to not only identify, uh, circulate kind of on both sides of this, one side on, on the outside, one side on the inside. You want to be able to circulate them independently of each other. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, gunk and, and, and gook that gets, you know, into the pipes or there's a, there's a possibility of that. You want to be able to kind of isolate that from a lot of the, the heat pumps that are on the inside of the building. And typically that's what you're going to find is you're going to find heat pumps on the inside of the building. Uh, so you want to be able to uh, isolate them. And typically, you know, that's done with a, you know, a bypass valve and a couple of sets of valves on the spline return to kind of, you know, you can play around with isolating one side or the other. Um, you also want to make sure that you have ways to fill the two systems independently, fill or drain the two systems independently. And that's, that's, that's the kind of a, the, the next thing. Who fills the system and, and how? You know, there's there's certain situations where I've seen where they've actually isolated the two systems by putting a heat exchanger. So your your fluids of the outside doesn't mix with the fluids of the inside. You know, that, that sometimes works. You know, sometimes the heat exchanger, you know, might get a little bit gunked up. I mean, there is there is that possibility of, uh, you know, sediment and things like that, um, you know, affecting that. You know, I mean, you're going to take a hit as far as uh, efficiency goes. Um, ever so slightly doing a heat exchanger, but sometimes, you know, that's the way to go. So that's really a design decision that I'm going to leave to the engineer to let him make that. Um, you know, otherwise, uh, you also want to be able to say, uh, you know, what exactly uh, are you going to be able to fill the system with? If you're going to use the same system, are you going to use glycol? Um, you know, I've seen glycol used, and you know, I, uh, I guess a word of caution: I'm, if if you've read anything about the uh, on the blog or about the blog, um, or maybe even another uh, episode that I've mentioned this, but obviously you're going to have your choices between you know ethylene glycol, propylene glycol, um, and I have also seen uh, like a, a methanol used, uh, which is, is is more of an alcohol based um, uh, solution. And again, this, it's critical that you work with the facility uh, that this is being installed in because they're going to have to have the expertise and the knowledge to be able to handle these different types of chemicals. I mean, they're all chemicals. I know that, you know, it, it, at least typically one of the things, ethylene glycol, a little bit more harsh and restrictive as far as, you know, uh, the, the, uh, what we can do here in the States. Propylene glycol, a little bit more forgiving, but still it is a chemical. So if you spill a lot of it, you know, something needs to be done. Uh, and obviously uh, methanol is, is the same, so, same sort of thing that you need to, uh, to, to factor in. Uh, get that training, appropriate training, and, and get it taken care of. But who provides that and how they provide it. You know, that's something that needs to be discussed and configured, whether or not you are going to have a, a premix solution that comes to the site, whether or not you're going to have just barrels of this stuff being pumped in uh, after you've done the flush and fill. You know, how exactly is it going to be done and who's going to be doing it and who's going to be responsible uh, for taking uh, this uh, responsibility uh, part of the project because you want to be able to actually marry the two systems together, the outside and the inside, and make it, and make it go uh, go smoothly and have it work. So 
that is uh, some of the things on the inside. Now, you might want to be able to add something in the future. You might want to have a hybrid system where you're going to add some sort of fluid cooler or cooling tower uh, to the to the, uh, the cooling capacity. Uh, sometimes you're going to need a little extra oomph, or your system may need in the future. You know, like, like I said, you know, it's it's going to deteriorate over time. You know, how much is really not known, but you want to be able to kind of plan for that in the future. So if you have a place to connect, you know, some sort of supplemental cooling, you can do that when it gets really hot out. Or on the uh, conversely, you want to be able to say, hey, you know what, if, am I going to need additional heat uh, in this system? You may want to add a, uh, a boiler, and that's a, you know, a different sort of uh, a set of situations. So um, how are you going to connect that? Where are you going to connect that? Uh, those are some of the things that you want to think about um, when you go through this kind of system. So that's pretty much all I wanted to go through for this ground loop heat exchange system. You know, I've seen them work well, and I've seen, I've seen some, you know, some disasters, some train wrecks. Um, and it's, it's, it's really kind of important that you, uh, you know about this. Uh, I, I guess one thing that, that pops into my head, and I know there was some issue uh, with a, uh, a particular job. It wasn't anything that I was working on, but I've kind of heard this second or third hand. But, you know, it, it depends on, um, you know, you've got you to gotta make sure that you're using the right kind of uh, fill. And by fill, I mean, you know, whatever liquid you're using to fill your system with, you've got to have that kind of straightened out. I mean, sometimes I think that there's, you know, some people who say, hey, you know, you've got to use uh, very refined water, you know, purified water, what have you. Um, and some people say, hey, you know what, you know, just use the, the use the tap water. But the the thing is, if you start mixing and matching and you don't take a careful look at what exactly your system is capable of handling, you may end up mixing the, uh, the, the antifreeze solution and, you know, glycol. And in one, ca- one case, I think it was that they used uh, either well water or uh, water that, that really hasn't, hadn't been treated. They combined it, and it really turned into the kind of the, the slurry that, that was really sort of, you know, harmful to the, the system. So they really had a, uh, 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 a great deal of uh, problems trying to get that one cleaned up. And that wasn't anything that was, that was very nice to deal with. So be, be careful what you're filling the... Uh, system with. All right. Anybody have any more questions? You know, feel free to you know send the emails to me. Um, get my opinion on 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 this, that, or the other thing. But I, I you know, I just want to be able to kind of pass on some of the things that I've learned out in the field that have been you know impacting. And obviously, all these things are uh, are things that uh, uh, have happened to me and situations and questions that have come up. So I'm just kind of passing those on, passing them forward. Hopefully, if you learn something, pick something up. If not, you know, a, a lot of information that I've gotten um, came specifically from conversations I've had with, uh, with people who've, uh, you know, uh, contractors who've done the, the, the piping layouts of the drilling. Um, also, you know, if you go to the heat pump manufacturers, talk to some of the manufacturers reps that are local to you. Um, if there's any that are any good. Uh, they can definitely help you out on some sort of ed- education, and maybe you've seen that in the past, and maybe you can get uh, take advantage of that in the future if that's something that you're interested in. So 
All right. I want to thank you for listening, everybody tuning in. It's been great. I enjoy if you if, if you're new to HVAC 360, welcome. If you're uh, a longtime listener, I really appreciate you uh, sticking in there and listening every week. Um, obviously, if you like this episode, please pass it on. That's the, really the best thing you can do for me. Um, again, thanks to the Building Commissioning Association. I really appreciate their their support. Uh, also, if you want to leave some feedback or give me a, 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 a star rating, hopefully preferably five stars, on iTunes, uh, you can do that. Um, I know I had just one recently, and I'll, all I remember is Commandante. Um, but I will. I, I appreciate your comments, and I will kind of get you a shout-out for the next episode. I'll have to get that in the show notes so I can remember next time. Also, hey, I've, I've uh, gotten some feedback as far as anybody who, uh, any friends that you know that have or listen to, uh, you know, they're, they're stuck with an Android phone or somebody who's on a BlackBerry. I've just recently just been approved for the uh, BlackBerry podcast store and for stitch which is a app that you can actually get on um, on itunes or uh, it's uh, available on the android store so uh, stitch you can get uh, hvac 360 now for your android phones if you want to make it easier for you and that's i'm i'm really appreciate that heads up uh, that i got and i want to be able to kind of lay that out there uh, for people to to kind of you know share hvac 360 with the world um I really appreciate it. Again, if you want to email me, it's matt at buildingx.co. If you want to go to the blog, it's matt, or it's, <laughs> it is buildingx.co. Otherwise, Twitter, at buildingx, or on LinkedIn. You can always uh, connect with me there, Matt Nelson PE at LinkedIn. Yeah. So, hey, everybody, I appreciate that. And remember, as always, know what you build and share what you know.